Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First on a Friday morning. Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Rice, Kevin Wilds, Michael Vick is with us. And we got a fun show for you today. Lots to get to. Hey, uh, is LeBron a lock to win the title this year? A lock, Nick. We're asking if he's a lock. Uh, is Zeke right to right. feel a little disrespected after some of the things that have been written about him? And could the New England Patriots actually be better with Cam than they were with a guy by the yes. name of yes. Tom Brady? All that and so much more. But we got to start this morning in Dallas with the latest news surrounding Dak Prescott. We know that Dak and the Cowboys could not agree on a long-term deal yesterday. What we didn't know until now was how that landed with the quarterback. And apparently... It landed just fine. Dak saying yesterday, quote, I'm a cowboy. I couldn't be happier. And that he's looking forward to Dallas's goal of a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl, Nick. They haven't been to an NFC title game since Troy was their quarterback. What do you think, Nick, has to happen for Dak to lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl this season? Jenna, before I answer that question, let me just say this. I'm as, as excited for today's show as I've been for any show in months. The reason is threefold one is one friday from now we'll be back watching live sports thanks to major league baseball and the friday after that we'll be talking about the nba so i'm super excited for that also my dear friend mike vick is back with us for the first time in forever so i'm excited for that and so thank you michael for joining us and we are talking exactly. about dak prescott and it is not about his contract we are for, for the next few months, we can actually talk about the football player and not guaranteed contracts and franchise tags and Kirk Cousins corollaries. So let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys on the football <laughs> field. This should be the best team since 2016. 2016 Dax, rookie year, they thought they had built a Super Bowl caliber team for Tony Romo. Turns out they had built a Super Bowl caliber team for Dak Prescott. They were 13-3, and three and they were the number one seed in the <laughs> NFC. And I bring that up for this reason. In order for Dak Prescott to lead the Cowboys to the Super Bowl, I believe they're going to have to be the number one seed once again. Now, as I always keep right beside me, my trusty projected standings, I have the Cowboys oh, at 11 and 5. Laminated. The number one seed is 12 and 4. So that means that it's, it's in play for them. It's possible for them. But how do they get there? How do they get the one seed, which is the only place you can get a bye? Dak and the Cowboys offense as a whole going to have to be a hell of a lot better against good teams. Can we throw up Dak's career for a moment here? And Michael, I want to see what you think of this. Dak against the Giants in Washington. I mean, that is... That's, that's damn near Patrick Mahomes-level stuff. Against the rest of the yeah. NFL, that's good. It's, it's not bad. You're above 500, 94 passer rating. Problem for Dallas last year. They couldn't beat any good teams. So with the team they brought back into the fold, the drafting of CeeDee Lamb, the upgrade at the head coach spot, to me, Michael, if the Cowboys are going to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in a quarter century. It has to start with not just making the playoffs, but soaring into the playoffs at 12 and 4, 13 and 3. And the only way to get there, Mike, is to, unlike last year, beat the best teams on your schedule. Yeah, well, obviously, they're going to have to get off to a good start, regardless of what. I think, and looking at those stats, Dak plays really well within a division, which is very important. You have to win. You have to win the division games first 
But outside of the, the division, you have to be able to go out and win games also. I think they have the right pieces in place to make the run. So I'm with Coach Mike McCarthy. We know what he did in Green Bay. We know what he did for Aaron Rodgers. I'm very excited to see that uh, and see how that grows within the system. I always thought Amari Cooper needed a compliment. I think C.D. Lamb will add that in terms of his ability to, to, to win downfield, um, big body target, and somebody else for Dak to throw to. And, and obviously, the, the, the run game. Uh, it wasn't the same as it was a couple years ago, but they definitely have to get back to running the ball strong. But I think the key piece to this is Mike McCarthy and how he used his players and the talent that he's been blessed with. And uh, what a better situation to come into and be able to, to compete in the NFC East. And that's what Mike McCarthy has in front of him. We're going to watch this situation very closely. And I'm excited about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm, ex I'm happy for Dak. Uh, it's finally over. They tried and they tried and they tried to get a deal done. Dak is happy with the 30-some-odd million that he's going to get. He's more than a rich man. And he'll continue to pile on those numbers. You know, as the years go on, he'll continue to make money. He's a rich man right now and a happy man. And that's what's most important. You know, Mike, I, I think it's interesting you say he's a rich man as we talk about the success that the Cowboys should have this year. If they get to the Super Bowl and if he wins the Super Bowl, Nick, you're going to be torn here because here's what I think happens. I think he not only becomes the highest paid player in NFL history, he probably becomes the face of the NFL. He's minted for life. If he can bring the Cowboys a Super Bowl victory, he's good and he's the new face of the NFL across the globe. But Nick... You, I, I want to know, because I don't have my laminated uh, Nick sheet, what did you have <laughs> the Cowboys at this year? Because I know you had, I had this one memorized, I know you had the Giants at a miserable 2-14, so I think the Giants will be yep. much better. I don't know if they're going to compete, but I don't think the Giants are going to be as bad as you predict they are. No, no, no. Giants are okay. Well, that's that's a bad take. Giants are going to be really bad. Uh, I, the Cowboys <laughs> at eleven and five, <laughs> and eleven and five is typically okay. not good enough for the one seed, and I don't think it would be. But yeah. I don't have anyone in the NFC better than twelve wins. So if one of those potential losses can be flipped into a win, then you're right there. And I think Michael nailed the most important part of it, which is the coaching upgrade. Like Dak, we have. We have kind of made different excuses for why the Cowboys haven't gotten back to 13-3 and three since Dak's rookie year, but I wonder how many of them were excuses and how many were explanations. Year two, there was the Zeke suspension. We say that submarined them. Year three, they got off to the bad start. We say, well, he had no one to throw to until they traded for Amari. And last year, it was coaching. But what if last year, blaming coaching wasn't an excuse? It was accurate. When the Dallas Cowboys went up against established, high-level coaches, in every instance last year, except for against Sean McVay, they lost. They split with Peterson, they lost to Sean Payton, lost to Mike Zimmer, lost to Sean McDermott, lost to Bill Belichick. And so, Mike, why, what do you think Mike McCarthy can add that can have mostly the same pieces plus CeeDee Lamb be a drastically different team than it was last year under Jason Garrett? Was it that the message grew stale? Was it a, is it a different offensive scheme? What is, the, what is the importance of Mike McCarthy in your eyes? It's a different offensive scheme, like you said. And when you think about what Aaron Rodgers was able to do over his long tenure with Mike McCarthy, they attack downfield. And a, a guy like CeeDee Lamb uh, reminds you of, of uh, a Greg Jennings of some sort. When the, when the ball touches his hands, his yards after catch, 
makes the difference. And it makes all the difference in the world when you're trying to move the ball, ball downfield uh, rapidly. Um, so he'll use everybody effectively. Uh, the run game, I think, will be tremendous. Um, you know, it's something that Mike McCarthy was not really known for, but he has a running back in, in Zeke now, and he has to use him. And he, he knows that makes the game easier for Dak and the rest of the team of offense. Now, defense will have to do their part, and they'll have to pull their weight, right. too. But I think starting with the offensive side of the ball, it's points to be had for this team. Mike, let me ask you this. At the end of the day, whatever the defense can or cannot do, doesn't this all come down to what Dak Prescott can do? Isn't this team going to go as far as he himself takes him? The players play the game. The coaches can only do so much. That's what we hear all the time. Dak Prescott yeah. has to play as well as he did last year, if not better, for everything around him to come together. Am I right? The coaches make the players. But ultimately, when that play call comes in through their helmet, to the quarterback, it's up to him to execute it. That was one thing I took pride in, knowing that my coach can trust me. Any play call that came in, sometimes we might have a disagreement or sometimes I might look over and I might nod. No, that's not the call. Change the call. I think they'll be spot on in this situation. Dak has everything that he needs now to be happy and move forward as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And I couldn't be more ecstatic to watch this run because I think it's going to be something epic. I think they have a great chance to do some really good things, man. We just can't underestimate them. But, you know, this is what we've been waiting for. No excuses. You nailed it, Michael. If nothing else, Cowboys can at least put the DAC contract talks behind them, focus on this season, which is exactly what the Patriots are trying to do. Cam and Bill, will they mesh? First things first. Why do Wilds have to go with face of the NFL over Mahomes? July 25th, Fox Saturday Baseball is back. Cubs clash with the Brewers. That's at one. You got the Dodgers battling the Giants at four. And the New York Yankees facing the World Series champs, the Nationals, at seven. Celebrate the return of baseball. Special triple header July 25th only on Fox and the Fox Sports app. And we are back here with Coach Eric Mangini talking some Dallas Cowboys. Well, while Dak Prescott's been front and center the last couple of weeks, Dak's all-pro running back, Ezekiel Elliott, feeling a little slighted with what he's reading about himself. Don't read your mentions, buddy. That's what Nick tells me. Zeke tweeting to his <laughs> critics yesterday, hey, check the stats. Since I entered this league, I have dominated year in, year out. Put some respect on my name. Nick, Zeke have a legit reason to feel a little underappreciated coming into this season? Yeah, I think this is a combination of his Madden rating being a little lower than he wanted it to be and that GM survey having him a little lower than he thought he should be. Zeke Elliott is paid and has produced as the best running back in football. And I think right now when people talk about the top three running backs in football, Coach, Sometimes his name is left off the list, and I think that's what he's responding to. But as far as a between, if you, when you remove the pass catching part from it, it's Zeke and Derrick Henry, and then everybody else. He probably needs to upgrade the pass catching a bit to be considered like Christian McCaffrey is right now, and Saquon Barkley the way people want him to be. But I think that's what he's responding to, Coach. When I saw this, my my first thought was this is this is just something that. Uh, good players do to, to find motivation when you have tons of money and you've had tons of success. 
And you saw it with, with, with Michael Jordan, and, and you see it with, with a lot of players that are exceptional, especially exceptional early, they have to find some sort of some sort of uh, mountain to climb, Slight. some sort of disrespect to overcome. So the, there's an element of, of that when I saw it, because look, he's, he's got a $90 million contract, $50 million guaranteed. And one of the reasons that Dak Prescott doesn't have a long-term contract is the respect that everybody gives Ezekiel Elliott. There, there's constantly conversation about how everybody stops Zeke so therefore, Dak should have that much easier a job as, as the quarterback. And to me, that's that's the the ultimate tell here is is the fact that they weren't willing to commit to Dak in the numbers that he wanted because of the respect that that they have for Zeke and opponents have for Zeke and how much of the success that team is attributed to him. Wow. Okay, I, I like that, coach. Um, hey, Nick, you know my favorite thing that you do is when you start a conversation by saying, my friends at EA Sports, and then we fast forward one yep. minute and say, I don't even know if they watch football. They, they, they shouldn't even have jobs. Zeke did the opposite. Yeah. Zeke said, put some respect on my name. And then on the back end, he put up this tweet. Hey, huh? I do appreciate the slander you guys hold me. On oh, the slander, sorry. <laughs> the slander. I appreciate the standard you guys hold me to, though, LOL. But I promise you, no one holds me to a higher standard than myself. Like, oh, that's nice. So I yeah. think, like, he did it yeah, the wrong way, though, because most people course. didn't see that. Go ahead. He did it the wrong way. You got to do the compliment on the front end. Because, right, but, they, but you're the only one who's noticed that. Everyone else is just talking about the other. That's why you got a compliment on the front end, crush on the back end. If you crush on the front end, no one hears the compliment on the back end. So Zeke will learn as he gets older, Jenna. He'll mature in his social media. Social etiquette from Nick Wright. Hey, you know who doesn't have to fabricate any motivation? This guy right here. Uh, the Patriots may have a new quarterback in Cam Newton, but they've got the same steadfast mantra in the Patriot way. Questions about Cam and Belichick getting along continue to swirl, despite the fact that both need each other to succeed. Both want to prove that they can still be winners. But even Cam Newton had some questions about he and Bill Belichick would coincide. Take a listen. My agent hit me. I was, you know, no cap. I was working out. And he was like, hey, man, you know, we just got an interest from a team. I'm like, okay, cool. Who? And it was like New England. I said, I said, hold on. Like, how's, how's me and Belichick gonna mesh? You know what I'm saying? And, and Cause that was the first thing I thought. Cause it's like perception. Yeah. Like, but I think his perception of Belichick is not that. There is no like, how is it gonna work for me? All he wanna do is put you in a place to succeed. Yeah. And I'm happy to see it. Well, then Coach, I'm, vi I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this, so I'll just ask you the same question. How will Cam Newton and Bill Belichick mesh? I, I thought it was funny that he said, no cap, I was working out. That, that to me made me laugh. No cap, Jenna is like, <laughs> you know, I'm not lying. Um, that, that's like a new <laughs> thing. Did you just um, explain that? You know. you, he just defined <laughs> no. He defined no cap for you. Did you just, that was great, coach. I mean, I that didn't understand it, but I was gonna let it go. <laughs> oh, that was great. Well, that I, was perfect, I, coach. I, you know, your kid. Your kid told you, coach. <laughs> exactly. I have kids Thanks. at that age. Your kids are younger. 
I thought I would make sure you understood, yeah. but I thought that was a, that was well, now a, I understand. a funny that was start a to it. And and look, I had the same question and have the same question that that Cam had: How are he and Belichick g gonna mesh? And and I know Odell says that he's gonna put you in a position to succeed. He he is, assuming that you a are are healthy enough to to win the starting job, and b part of being put in a position to succeed is being open to hard coaching and being open to coaching that is is there for everyone to see. And, and it's very different, I would imagine. I, I don't know exactly what environment he, he was in in Carolina, but, but I would imagine it's going to be very different than what he's used to. So if, if that's something that, that, that he can handle and, and, and it, it works for him, then I think he's got a, a great chance to be successful. You know, it's it's not for everybody. I say this over and over again. It's hard. We heard the Eagles talk about how hard it is in, in New England. So you, you need to buckle up and, and be Coach. ready to, to deal with that. Coach, when you say hard well, go coaching, ahead, do you mean like, do you mean like the, the stories of Tom Brady being sort of, I don't know if they're yelled at, but kind of having um, his mistakes shown in the film room and that's not the norm across the nfl is that what you mean by hard coaching yeah there, there, there's there's that your, your mistakes are going to be pointed out in in front of everybody and that's not how it, it works across the nfl and and oftentimes and, and in a lot of industries oftentimes it's not as blunt as it, it's delivered in new england and, and it takes an adjustment and you need a, a, a thick skin because it, it's not done with malice. It's done because it's the right thing to do collectively to point out everybody's mistakes because we all have a responsibility to, to each other to, to be successful. And, and you want each player on the team to feel like the other person is being held accountable. That being said, in a, in a era of, of stars and, 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 uh, different types of treatment, it's it's not what guys are used to. Uh, listen, and I think I think that's a great point, Coach. And I do think that Cam, while no environment is New England, Cam's head coach for his whole career had been Ron Rivera, who's not exactly a softy. And now I don't know exactly how Ron Rivera handles those meetings, but Ron Rivera was a hard-nosed player, has been known as a hard-nosed coach, even though his, his players seem to really like him. So I don't think he's coming from an environment where he just walks all over everybody. But I, when people talk about the fit, I do think if, you're, if the question is, is Cam going to be apt to accept the type of coaching that goes on in New England is a fair question. And the answer to that has to be yes or it won't work. I believe the question that will be yes, which is why I think it will work. The other lane wilds some folks are going down is to me the far less important well what about cam's histrionics so i've got a, a brief list here wilds of guys that i'm sure you consider great patriots akib talib asante samuel Corey dillon lawyer malloy julian edelman randy moss rodney harrison rob gronkowski all those guys have a number of things in common. Two of them are they won Super Bowl or Super Bowls with New England, and the other one is they were very emotional, at times celebratory players. 
and they were embraced by the team because they produced. This idea that to play in New England, you have to be robotic and uh, stoic on the field is belied by a body of work over 20 years. And so I don't think any of Nick. the tertiary celebrate. Go ahead, coach. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, co I coached a bunch of those guys that, that you're talking about. And I don't think that Asante Samuel, Rodney Harrison, Lawyer Malloy, were they known for their celebrations? But they, they, those guys were were incredibly hard workers, and, and I think Asante may have transitioned a little bit personality-wise from when he was in New England to, to when he left New England in terms of how outspoken he was or how much he celebrated or any of those things. But they, they the, to and, and Lawyer, remember, Lawyer Malloy came in under Bill Parcells, so it wasn't like he was a stranger to, to the, the approach that was there. Right. You know, what about so, listen, Asante Thomas? Samuel? What about Michael Bennett? What about Chad Johnson? Okay. You know, there's a but, bunch so of other guys thing, that didn't fit in. Coach, but you br coach, but you bring here's the thing about those guys. So Asante Samuel, to be fair, I am remembering him more as an Eagle than a Patriot. So maybe his personality was different early in his career. You were there, you would know that better than me. And I, when I think when I think of Rodney and Lawyer, and Lawyer was a great Patriot until they, you know, Belichick, you know, a couple weeks before the season cut him for salary cap reasons. But those guys, when they made a big hit or made a big play, you knew about it. But the guys that get brought up all the time, and it's fair, Chad, Adalius, the the other guys, uh, Albert Hainsworth. The reason they didn't work is because they didn't produce. Adelius Thomas is the one guy, it was he didn't produce and he was late to practice one day because of a snowstorm and then griped about it to the media and then he was on his way out. It's if you produce on the field, Wilds, the, the personality stuff, I've never seen it bother the Patriots. I've just, I, and by the way, they didn't try to mute Gronk. They don't try to mute Edelman. They don't, the guys who produce are allowed to be themselves. So to me, it's a question of, Will Cam produce, Kevin? Yeah, I, I think he'll definitely produce, and I think it's a non-issue. Celebrate away. We'll be celebrating right. in Tampa or Bay, Nick, you and me, in our, in our Cam Newton jerseys. Hey. Uh, no cap. We got to take a break. Talk some hoops. We're a well-rested oh, no. LeBron James Look appears at what you for did. a title no. run. But first, no. Uh, no cap with the Chiefs locking up Mahomes and Chris Jones. Oh, I'm no. telling you, no cap. A local KC liquor store has oh, been staying Jesus. super busy. Check this out. Back again. You're welcome. Oh my God. Chiefs came in again. Six more bottles. My guest is Chris Jones. Time for stories to start your morning, beginning with Brooklyn bench boss. According to a recent report, there is growing speculation that Kevin Durant wants Mark Jackson to be the next, next head coach. That after his business partner has been tweeting about Mark Jackson. Nick, would this be the right hire? I think Mark Jackson's fine coach. Uh, I agree with Antoine as far as I think the best hire would be Ty Lue. 
But listen, what, what we know is the Nets are going to do whatever Kevin Durant tells them to do. And what we also know is Kevin Durant kind of models his career arc over doing what LeBron did just a touch less impressively. It's like how LeBron left the Cavs because they couldn't beat the Celtics. Katie's like, I, I'm going to beat, leave the Thunder to join the team I can't beat. LeBron bought Liverpool part of it. I'm going to buy an MLS team. LeBron started a media company. I mean, I'm going to start a slightly less successful one. So I don't think he's going to get LeBron's coach. He'll get a slightly worse version of Ty Lue. So Mark Jackson, Antoine, seems just about right. It seems like the right fit. I would imagine this is how it goes. As much as I love Mark Jackson and I've been, you know, rooting for Mark to get back as a head coach, I still think T. Lou's the best coach for this team because of what T. Lou's done. Obviously, he's coached the greatest, best friend in the world in LeBron James. Um, I, this year, coaching Kawhi Leonard, he's been in that locker room with two stars. Obviously, he's coached uh, Kyrie Irving as well. So you got to think about a guy who can be familiarized with these guys and who can handle big-time talent. Um, and I don't know, Mark Jackson, he does have, you know, the pedigrees. He got, he's got the swag, the style to do it. It's kind of been out the game for a while. I think T. Lou would just be a better fit right off the bat if you want a real coach who's been in that situation with those type of superstars. You know, guys, I, I think this is a fool's gold job. I think it looks great, and it's not great. There's going to be a ton of pressure on this team when Kyrie and KD come wow. back. It's going to be in a bridge season. It's going to start in December. Got a lot of odd things happening. And if you don't get off to a hot start, no one's going to look at KD and Kyrie. We're going to say, hey, what about the new guy? What about the new coach? So I think it's it could be a David Blatt, Ty Lue situation. I would not want this job right out of the gate, Nick. Wow. I don't think I'm going to be offered wow. it anyways. Well, that's an interesting But take. if I was offered this job, <laughs> I'm going to turn it down. <laughs> You'd probably take it. Time to shoot your shot. Sixers head coach Brett Brown said Ben Simmons has, quote, shot more threes in practice the last few days than he might have for almost half a season. And he looks good. Antoine, guess all the Ben Simmons problems are solved. Uh, You finally find that Ben Simmons will be shooting threes consistently now in games? Listen, he don't have to shoot five, six threes a game. But he's got to look at the basket. If he wants to become a great player in this league, a Hall of Fame type player, he has to look at the basket. If you ain't got to do is look at Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd's career was not a great shooter early on in his career, but he learned how to make a three-point shot. It became a very capable three-point shooter. I can even take it to a player a little less notch, a Bruce Bowen type. These guys added something to their game, and Bill Simmons is much skilled, uh, much more skilled than those guys. So he has to look at the basket. I don't know if he's going to do it. Um, you know, obviously we got to see it in the games, but he doesn't have to shoot five or six threes. Just try to shoot one or two a game. And that's, One. And that's, that'll yeah. start. That'll kickstart. Uh, One right. a month Moving would be on. an upgrade, Jenna. <laughs> it would be a lot for him. Rocket Power. James Harden practiced for the first time with the team down in Orlando yesterday. The Beard telling reporters after the workout, quote, hey, once we get Russ back, we can beat anybody. Nick, you agree with Harden? Oh, I don't know if they can beat anybody, but... I certainly hope that they don't end up as the four or the five seed because if they don't end up as the four or the five seed, they're going to be in the Western Conference Finals. If they have to play the Lakers in round two, they won't get there. But if they can end up being on the side, the opposite side of the bracket as the Lakers to where they have to go through the Clippers in round two, they'll beat the Clippers. The Rockets are the most interesting team coming back from this restart, Antoine, 
because the biggest issue for the Rockets over the last few years has been, is James Harden worn down once the playoffs begin? And we might see start of the season James Harden at the start of the postseason. First 25 games of the year this year, he averaged 40 a game. He then slowed down a bit afterwards, in part, I think, because the overall, not wear and tear, but the, the vol usage rate and volume, it wears him down. He's now at four months off. And so I think Harden, you don't have to worry about Russ. He's, as Jenna would put it, indefatigable. He's never going to get tired. But Harden has worn down a bit, Antoine, in the past. And so I, I think the Rockets are a wildly dangerous team, Antoine. They're a wild card, and they're a wild card because they got two dynamic players. They have two guys that can get you 35 and 40 in any given night. There's not a lot of teams in the league that, that has these type of dynamic players. The problem with, with Houston that bothers me, if they have to play like the Lakers or somebody, the size. I still believe small ball is going to bother them in certain teams. They could. The Clippers would be an interesting series. But the Lakers with the size will, will wear on them a little bit. But I do agree with you. I love what James Harden has done to his body over these last three, four months and getting himself in even better shape. And that could be the difference in him wearing down. But they are a wild card. They could beat anybody. Uh, I'm a huge Russ fan. I believe he's he's got the capabilities to carry and win in a couple of games every series. Um, he's that good. So they'll be right in the mix. It just depends on matchups for them. You know, there was a very insightful quote that I thought would uh, give us a good perspective into James Harden. If we could put it up, I won't tell you who said it. I think the world knows no matter what's going on, James Harden loves to hoop. He's a competitor, so today in practice, we got after it. Nick, do you know who it was? I, I'm... I do. You saw the article. Don't Actually, say it. Don't say it. Just reveal it. Just reveal it. Just reveal it. But you <laughs> tell, reveal you it. tell America. <laughs> Boom, it's James Harden. Antoine, you know when James Harden starts speaking in the third person, the Rockets are in a good spot. So congratulations, James Harden. Rockets all the way to the finals where they'll lose to the Bucks. George is getting upset. Uh, on to... There we go, Jenna. The, uh, there you go. On to the Don't King's Quest. Don't encourage the Seinfeld. More Seinfelds. Well, I'm just going to keep waiting. <laughs> Want one more? Because I can give Here you more. It is. Lakers head coach no, Frank Vogel said LeBron James looking outstanding in practice, and it's, quote, as if there wasn't a layoff at all. Layoff. Nick, are the Lakers a lock to win the title if LeBron picks up where LeBron left off? All right, so this is a very interesting <laughs> question, Jenna. First of all, it is no surprise to anyone, or it should be no surprise to anyone, that of all the players who knew how or found a way how to deal with the unprecedented layoff and to stay in shape and to stay ready, LeBron would be near, if not at the top of that list. But the question is, what you said, if LeBron plays like LeBron plays, are the Lakers a lock? And here's what I'll tell you. Since 2012, every single year, with one very rare exception, if LeBron James had an all-star caliber teammate, he's won the championship. That's the rule. 2012, D-Wade averages 22 a game in the finals. They roll to the title over the Thunder. 2013, D-Wade averages 20 a game in the finals. They beat the Spurs in an epic series. 2014, 
D-Wade's body starts betraying him. He averages 14 a game in the finals. They don't win. 2015, Kyrie and Kevin Love go down. His second best player is Della Vadova. Even though LeBron gives you 36 and 13 and 9 a night, they don't win. 2016, Kyrie is exceptional in that series against the Warriors, averaging 27 a game. They, they win the title. 2017 is the one, the one time this rule does not apply when you're playing maybe the most talented team ever. Kyrie was great in that finals, as well as LeBron averaging a triple-double. They don't win. 2018, LeBron averages 34 a game in the finals. His second-best player is Kevin Love, who was injured throughout that, and J.R. Smith, who averaged 9 a game. They get run off the court. So, to me, Antoine, the answer to this is yes, because Anthony Davis not even going to play like an all-star. He's going to play like an all-NBA caliber player. And if LeBron has one guy playing at that level, he hoists the trophy at the end of the year unless you're going up against an all-time historic super team, which does not exist in the NBA this season, Antoine. The Lakers are my favorite to win the title, but they're not a lot. Um, it's a lot of things that have to um, go well for them. One, like you just alluded to, Nick, obviously Anthony Davis has to play great. But I'm more worried about no Avery Bradley, no Rajon Rondo. Uh, is Dwight Howard going to be the same Dwight Howard we saw um, when the season was um, came to a stoppage? Um, J.R. Smith, Deion Waves, can you get these guys involved? He's going to need other guys to step up and play really, really well come playoff time. I'm not worried about LeBron James. Um, I know he'll be ready to go. And then if they play the Clippers, LeBron James has to have the killer mentality. Um, he can't wait in, on his teammates. That's, that series will be more, and we saw that right before the break, where he could dominate the game by scoring the basketball. So there's some things that, that I am a little leery about. I still have them um, coming out the West. Um, but I, got, I worry about the other guys. Can he implement those new guys? And can Dwight Howard play at the level that he was playing? that he was playing it before the break. Well, Nick's not worried. Nick may have the Lakers as a lock to win the finals. My guy Charles Barkley, simply put, does not. But wait, there's more. Take a listen to this. <laughs> the Portland Trail Blazers get in the playoffs. They will beat the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. Ooh. Oh, that is bold. That is pretty Ooh. bold. That is bold. Wow. I'm it's going to have a very tricky path to the finals. <laughs> this is worst-case scenario. They could face these guys. But you've been the Blazers guy for weeks, Wilds. What oh, do you yes. make of Chuck's prediction? Well, oh I, oh, I love it. It's not even that bold. I mean, I don't know if they'll win, but I do like it. I, uh, Nick, I should have gone harder with this take and just straight up said that they would beat the Lakers. And I know what you're saying about Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis can't guard any of the guards that they would have to defeat. They have to face not guarding Harden, not guarding Russ, not guarding Kawhi, uh, you're not guarding Dame. I think that's a, a huge problem for them. And then just to push back, Nick, because I know take integrity is the foundation of this show and your life. You said they will. <laughs> LeBron always wins unless they're playing an all-time historic super team. And you know my favorite stat in the world is that the Bucks, the Bucks are, are not fifth an all-time all historic point super differential. Team. They're not. What, what are you doing? They're fifth all-time point the, differential. It's historic great they, they have a great they have a great they have a great point <laughs> differential and they have arguably you can argue Giannis is best player alive. I, I if people want to say that that's okay. fine and by the way the Bucks I picked them last year to win the title. I if people of Milwaukee I'm not down on your team. But the second best player 
on the Warriors team that beat LeBron even when Kyrie played well was Kevin Durant. The third best player on the Warriors team was Klay Thompson. The second best player on the Bucks is Chris Middleton, and the third best player, some would say Eric Bledsoe, you could argue. It's, mm -hmm. they are, it's not even apples and oranges, it's apples and bowling balls, no matter what the point differential says. Quickly on the Blazers, to my friend Chuck, who I imagine was still just terribly hungover from his weekend in Tahoe, <laughs> if the Blazers make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, that series goes five games maximum. They're a gentleman okay. sweep at best for Portland. There is the, the idea that Portland, who's been scuttling about all year, all of a sudden is going to beat the Lakers four out of seven. It's, it's, I would say it's a bad take by Chuck, but I don't even think it's a take. I just think it's like a, like a neurons fired wrong on him. I don't even want to hold that against evidently Jenna and my friend Ch Charles Barkley. That was the other big, big learn of this segment. I had no idea Jenna and Chuck were so close, but that's great to hear. I'm happy for that. Chuck's one of the greatest people in the world. But no, it's, a, it's just it's a bad opinion by Chuck. Bad opinion. Nick Wright, keeping us all entertained. Uh, back to some football. Does Cam Newton now open up the Patriots playbook? Michael Vick joins us next. Tuan, thanks. First things first. <laughs> Let's change gears. Talk Brady's replacement now in Cam Newton. To say the two quarterbacks have different skill sets would be like saying, I don't know, Nick and I have different ideas of a perfect Friday night. We will let you guys think about what those might be. Cam is well aware that Pat's offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, can dig even deeper now into the playbook with Cam saying to McDaniels, McDaniels, quote, hey, you're able to call some stuff that you ain't never been able to call. Oh. Michael Vick, let me start with you. What will the Patriots be able to do with Cam that they couldn't do with Tom Brady? Oh, a ton, especially on third down situations, third and one, third and two, third and three. You'll see more RPOs. You'll see more downhill running. Uh, you'll see more quarterback draws, quarterback sweeps, uh, things that we know Cam Newton likes and, and what has made him successful in his own right as a Carolina Panther. Now Josh McDaniels has the option to make those calls, uh, you know, run versus pass. So to, to be able to implement that within the offense expands everything. It's similar to what he did um, years ago uh, with, with Tim Tebow. You know, it wasn't the prettiest. Um, but they was able to get things done. Now you have a Cam Newton could be a 2.0 Cam Newton, even better, bigger, stronger, smarter, and an offense with uh, coaches that understand how to use his skill set. Uh, it's going to be great to see. Well, and it. here's another part of it that I think actually works to the 2020 Patriots' advantage. Something that happened with Cam later in his career in Carolina was – it, with what I think was the f I understandable but unnecessary concern about uh, we're worried about Cam long, long term, they tried to move away somewhat from what always made Cam so special to preserve him for years down the road. The Patriots, with respect to Cam, are not concerned about Cam in 2023. They have him under contract for one year as a trial to see. I understand why you are and Cam might be, but Cam has never been one that said, I got to run less. What he, I'm a huge Cam Newton fan. Yeah, he Just wants like to, to be candid, I was a huge Mike Vick fan. I, but with Cam or with Mike, 
certainly not until Mike, his great year with Philly, was anyone making the case if you remove running from the game, if, if you're just talking about throwing the football, they're one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. That's never what it was, what it was with Mike, what it is with Cam. It was the dual threat option makes them essentially unguardable. The fact that you can have four downs instead of three downs to pick up a first down because fourth and short is, is a gimme, which means third and short, you can take shots downfield if you want because you have an extra down. That wasn't the case with Brady. And if we can show the audience real quick, what we saw with Brady's older years, once his accuracy dipped a bit, they fell off the map in the red zone and it goal to go because he was never a threat to run the football. And if his passing wasn't super precise, I mean, that's a terrible goal to go team the last couple years. So, so Mike, to me, that's where Cam can really, really take advantage. And when he brings up Josh McDaniels, I should remind the audience, Michael, McDaniels is the guy who drafted Tebow. Like, he likes the idea the of a dual-threat quarterback and has some experience with him, Mike. Yes, Josh McDaniels knows how to use a mobile quarterback. The reason he drafted Tim Tebow, and, and I'll, I'll mention this story. Uh, when I had Dan Reeves when I was first drafted to the Atlanta Falcons, um, Dan used me as a dual threat. Uh, if you go back to that 2002 season, I ran for 777 yards and was just like 29 yards shy of throwing for 3,000. But it was the dual threat that allowed me to be the player that I became. And two years later, you know, taking nothing away from the West Coast system, it changed the way I look. It changed... Uh, our format, our philosophy. And uh, I think it hurt me in a sense as far as my productivity. Um, this can't be the case in New England. I think they'll use Cam as a dual threat. Like you say, in the red zone, third and shorts, second and fives. You can just do so much. The playbook opens up so wide. And for a coach who know how to use a guy with, with dual threat ability, uh, it's certainly going to be uh, something to watch. Mike, as I've been uh, waving the Cam Newton flag and saying that not only is he going to be as good as he was, he's going to be better, I used your career as an example. If we can put up the full screen from Atlanta to Philly, these are between your two Pro Bowl season seasons. Your completion percentage went up. The yards per game went up. Your touchdown interception ratio went Passer up. Rating. Passer rating went up. Look at Every, you, Michael Everything Vick. Went, yeah. went up. Yeah. Do you see a parallel between this <laughs> journey and Cam's journey? Yeah. Yeah, I look at this as a parallel. Um, the trajectory for Cam right now is, is through the roof. And like I mentioned earlier, this is a 2.0 opportunity for Cam. I mean, he looks like he's in tip-top shape and he has a chip on his shoulder. And sometimes after getting beat down for so many years, after you felt like you done put in the work and you feel like you earned your stripes, um, you know, humbling experiences do occur. And uh, I feel like Cam has been humbled to a certain degree, and he's looking forward to turning it around and showing everyone that he's still a, a perennial quarterback in the National Football League. So this is the perfect platform for it. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do between now and the time the season starts, but uh, I think this young man is ready for the challenge that's in front of him. And I do think it matters when we're talking about this in the Patriots the conference, and I, we're talking about the Patriots and their ability not to make the playoffs, but to compete, make another AFC championship game. What'd they go to? 13 mm -hmm. of them with Brady, just an unbelievable number. Yeah. If, if you had this Patriots team 
but it were in the NFC, to me, that's such a tougher path because the NFC, it, Packers, Saints, Seahawks, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, I think the Bears are going to be good. A lot of people expect the Cardinals to jump up there. I didn't even mention the Vikings. In the AFC, there are two known quantities, the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs and the team with the defending MVP L Lamar Jackson. Everything else is a question mark. Houston, are they going to be better than last year? How much does DeAndre Hopkins loss hurt them? Tennessee, can we expect that much magic from Ryan Tannehill again? Buffalo, are they going to go back to being same old Buffalo or on the trajectory they were? Like this is, Cam doesn't have to be great immediately for the Patriots to be in it and to be one of the top three teams in the AFC at the end of the year, Jenna. No, that's true. And what? and the other thing you want to hope is that that Cam Newton himself wants to go out there and give 100% and, and the Patriots oh, hopefully yeah. can keep him safe in that process. We got to go. Michael oh, Vick, thank you back. so much for joining us today. What's that? We got to go. Have a great weekend, Love everyone. Stay Thanks safe. We'll having... see you back here Monday morning. Thank